0: Well, good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at church, and it's great to have you with us. Kids, it's a bit special to have you in for an all-in service here today. And kids, you won't realise it yet, but as you get older, most of us don't remember what it was like to be a kid. For most adults, everything under the age of about four, total blank, (laughs) After uh, that, you tend to remember the big things in life, the great holidays, first day at school, things that made you scared or things that made you laugh. I was thinking back this week to what some of my earliest memories are, and most of them come from holidays at the beach. We used to go to a place called Hardwick Bay on the York Peninsula, and we fished a lot there and we had a boat. You can see a picture up on screen of uh, a very young me, so I should point the right way. There's uh, me probably around about the age where I started to have my first memories. Doesn't little Maddie John look cute there? <laughs> but you needed a tractor at Hardwick Bay if you were going fishing because it's one of those places on the York Peninsula where it's really shallow for a long way out. So you need a tractor to drive out into the water deep enough to launch the boat. That's uh, how people sort of come in and out at Hardwick Bay. So kids, I can think, I reckon the Atkins boys and many other kids here today would really enjoy that experience of sitting in a tractor and driving out into the ocean to launch your boat. (laughs) I think some of my earliest memories came from a particular day when I was about three or four. Dad and I were walking out, we'd parked the tractor back on the beach again, we were walking out through the shallow water to the boat and along came a stingray. Now, Dad's here today. I don't know if he remembers this or not, but there's a stingray, kids. As a kid, I was a little freaked out, screamed, I'm sure. Dad picked me up. I kind of clambered up him right onto his shoulders, and he walked us out to the boat. Now, I still love the ocean, surfing, boating, paddleboarding. You pick up a lot from your parents, and we're trying to instill that love of the ocean in our kids. But if I'm honest, I'm still a little scared of of stingrays. So about 10 years ago, I was at the beach with Jack, who was about the same age as little me in the photo before. He was a little under four, and Sienna was there, a little under two. And we were out just in shallow water on a sandbank, uh, just off Glenelg on a hot summer's night. The kids are playing in the water, and I was standing there, and guess what happened? Along came a stingray. (laughs) Now, the kids uh, don't remember this because they were quite young, but I picked them straight up. I don't think they saw it. I was trying to keep them calm, stay calm myself. And I had, you know, little Jack, little Sienna kind of hanging onto my shoulders. And to get back to the safety of shore, I needed to step off the sandbar and walk through deeper water. As I know as a surfer and paddleboarder and keen boater, that when you see one stingray, there's often a few because they often uh, swim together. So in reality, kids, I don't want to give you nightmares. You don't really need to be that afraid of stingrays. If you don't bother them, they generally don't bother you. But I just have a bit of an irrational fear of them, probably from those earliest memories. So I was genuinely scared as I walked through the water. I thought to myself, even if these stingrays come along and lash my legs with their barbed tail, I would just have to take it as a dad because my arms were full of the two most precious things in the world to me. Little Jack, and little, much littler Sienna. Now, if you get that heart, that instinctive, protective, self sacrificial love shown towards someone who's really precious to you, I think that can help you understand just one of the many ways, many of the beautiful truths that led Jesus to willingly die on the cross and why for followers of Jesus. This is, really is a good, good Friday. We read through some of the story of that first Good Friday from Luke's account of Jesus' life before, and it's moving. If you engage with it, it's moving, to be sure. But for just a few minutes, I want to unpack one very different verse written by one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, that helps us to understand why it was necessary for Jesus to die... And why, like a dad walking, you know, through that trench back to the safety of shore, why he knew he must do it. So i will pop it up on screen. We'll leave it there for the rest of the service. It comes in the Bible, 1 Peter 3.18, where we read, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This one verse summarises so much of what God shares with us about his ways... And the relational problem that we have with him. That last phrase there, to bring you to God, shows us what Jesus achieved through his death on the cross. It was to bring us to God. But how did that happen? Why is it necessary? Well, cover to cover, the Bible reveals to us that we need to be brought back into relationship with God. Because by default, our relationship with him is broken. So broken that many in our world don't think he's there, or if they do, they doubt God's love, they doubt he wants the very best for us, might be angry towards him perhaps. And as people come to encounter God through his word, they, what they don't see are rules and ways of living laid out by a loving father who knows best, protecting those things most precious to him. We don't see the Bible like that by default. We actively rebel against God's ways. We often think, I reckon I could have more fun breaking the rules. Kids, have you ever thought that? I know I have. (laughs) At the heart of what the Bible calls sin, however, is a broken relationship. And these sins are just a symptom of that broken underlying relationship because it's a sad fact that we're happy just to live for ourselves with no one else to answer to. We don't want to live with God as our king. So kids, I want you to imagine, and we pray this never happens, but imagine if as a kid you had a loving dad and you grew up and you said to your dad, I want to use your holiday house by the beach. I want to borrow your boat and I'd kind of like as much of the inheritance as you can kind of carve off now so I can use it, but I don't want any relationship with you. You're dead to me. Kids, wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't that be really sad to have such a broken relationship? But the Bible tells us essentially that's what we do to God. We say, we want all the good things that you've made, this creation, sunsets, food, family, relationships all the joy and laughter and every breath we take we want all of that but we don't want a relationship with you God the creator of it all and not only have we kind of trashed the relationship vertically between us and God but we also know from sad experience we also hurt each other sometimes it's by our words and actions Sometimes it's by good deeds that we feel compelled to do, but we choose not to, out of selfishness. And in doing so, as we hurt and sin against one another, it adds a further layer of offence against God, as He lovingly created every person on the planet and cares deeply for them, so that when we sin against one another, God takes it very personally, like a loving dad. And for all of us, this leaves a really big problem between us and God. And because God is just and fair, it's just part of who He is. He doesn't have a choice to be unjust or unfair. Because He is just and fair, He has to punish wrongdoing. And because He's perfect and can tolerate no sin in His presence we can't run back to him on our own because we are not in the right with God. The relationship is broken. We are what the Bible calls unrighteous, which means we're not in the right with God because of our sin. And of course, if that is how God left things, that would be a pretty sad end to the story for our world. But because each of us And I really want you to remember this, kids and adults alike, but because each of us is really precious to God, and because God is our loving Heavenly Father, He made a plan. Jesus, God's only Son, came willingly to take the just punishment for our sin so that God's justice could be upheld. And out of great love for us, Jesus made a bad swap for Him That was a great swap for us, just like Cam shared with us in the kids' talk this morning. It's what we often call the great exchange. It's the best swap ever. Jesus, the only one to walk this planet free of sin, who never did anything wrong, as the second criminal acknowledged, as he said, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve there as they hung on the cross. But this man, looking at Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. He was one of many people that day who probably spoke a bit better than he actually knew because not only was Jesus a good man, he was actually sinless but he was also the only one who had a perfect, loving, trusted relationship with God the Father for all of his days. Jesus was right with God. We call it righteousness. That's what the centurion, deeply moved by the events surrounding Jesus' death, again speaking better than you knew, said, surely this was a righteous man. Jesus made a bad swap for him, a great exchange for us, as he swapped his righteousness for our unrighteousness, bearing the full justice of God's right anger against sin on his shoulders on the cross not just for your sin and my sin, but for the sins of the whole world. As we read, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And because the debt of sin has been paid for, God's justice completely satisfied, and because Jesus gives us his righteousness to all who ask him, He can bring us back to God, our loving Heavenly Father. We, you and I, and if this is something you're still thinking about, it's true to say that today, in placing your trust in Jesus, we can come back to a holy, perfect, sinless God whose presence can bear no sin, unafraid because of what Jesus did on the cross swapping our unrighteousness for his righteousness. But when we look back at that first Easter, I reckon it was the first criminal who asked one of the most interesting questions of the day. And you might note in the story, it was asked a few times earlier that day, when he said in a bit of an unkind way, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And when you think about it, again, probably the guy spoke a bit better than he knew. Because Jesus, as God's son, who we've seen can control the wind and the waves with a word, who could bring the dead back to life, he could have done many things on the cross. He could have called for an army of angels at any point to stop this. Jesus was choosing to stay there because he knew it was always the plan for God's justice And his love to meet at that one moment on the cross. Jesus had to die that day, as we've heard repeatedly explained by Jesus and underrated Luke in Luke's Gospel. It had to happen. It was the plan. So that we and everyone who places their trust in Jesus can be brought back to God. We all kind of get in a small way the heart of a dad like me prepared to conquer his somewhat irrational fears and walk through deep waters braving the stingrays as a dad at least prepared to endure pain and walk into danger knowing that he's keeping those most precious to him safe. How much more so was the love of Jesus displayed as he willingly endured the cross, who chose to walk into danger, to allow himself to be arrested, beaten, mocked, nailed to a cross and hung up to die to keep us safe from death, safe in his arms, as it were, because we are immensely precious to him. You get the heart of Jesus' love for us, and just one of the many beautiful different ways that you can look at the cross of Christ when you realise it was not the nails that held him there. It was love for you and for me. Which is why today we remember and join with Christians right around the world to remember a good, good Friday. I'll close in prayer and we'll sing some more. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending Christ who willingly went to the cross for our sins so that he could make the greatest swap in history, changing his righteousness for our unrighteousness so that he could bring us to you and restore that relationship for eternity. We praise you and thank you for this marvellous plan of salvation. And uh, please be with Christians all around the world today as we share this good news with many, uh, so that many more might continue, as has happened over the last 2,000 years, to place their trust in a loving uh, Father, uh, place their trust uh, in Jesus, uh, your only Son, who willingly went to the cross for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious and very powerful name. Amen. (laughs)